Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Style Matters podcast brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. I'm Zandra, your host, and I am so glad you're here. I wanted to let you know that this episode, along with a few others this summer, is one of a series of re-released interviews that I'll be sharing while I take a break before starting up all new episodes and interviews starting the first week of September. These re-released episodes are some of the very best and my all-time favorites, so they are a great place to start if you're new to listening to the show. And if you've already heard them, I know it's been a while and I do think they deserve another listen. A few other things I wanted to let you know about. One is that registration is open for both style retreats coming up this fall. The first one is in Texas. We'll be going to the Round Top Antiques Fair, one of the biggest in the country. So if you've been intimidated by these in the past, now is your time to get some guidance, not just with me, but with a few other design friends that I am bringing along. The second retreat in October is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is all about bringing nature into our homes, using it as inspiration and a starting point when trying to create a visual autobiography and a home that gives something back to you. It is packed full of workshops and hands-on activities. I am so excited about both of them, and I hope you can make it to one. All of the information for the retreats is, of course, on the website, littleyellowcouch.com. The other thing I wanted to bring your attention to is that I am offering some free design consultation via email this summer while I'm on break. I talked a lot about this in last week's episode, which was called On the Little Yellow Couch, Making Connections. So if you want to hear more about why I'm doing this and what I hope you get out of it, go check that episode out. But just briefly, I like to say that I'm doing this because I want to get to know you better. I want to hear what your frustrations are, what your sticking points are, where you're at, what your design dilemmas are, and maybe I can be of help. So feel free to shoot me an email after you've signed up for the newsletter, which you can also do on the website. And finally, I have a big favor to ask, which is if you are not already listening to this podcast using the Radio Public app, 
please download it now. It's free. It's an easy way to listen to this show. And I get paid a teeny tiny amount for every download that you make. You don't have to pay anything. It's just a way for me to help keep this podcast running. And now on to today's interview. This week, I'm sharing our interview with Maxwell Ryan, founder of Apartment Therapy and author of several books on home and design. We recorded this interview in 2015 when he was on a tour for his most recent book, Apartment Therapy, Complete and Happy Home. Even though this was several years ago, it's still one of our best interviews ever, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. In this re-release from our archives, Karen Grant is co-hosting with me, and she just asked Maxwell to tell us about his overall approach to design and making a home. When I was working with people all the time, it was really clear to me after a while that the medical professions really figured this out. And there's really two, there's two ways about creating a change. You can either be a therapist where you're helping someone initiate change for themselves. In other words, you, you're enlightening them to what they could do. And, and then when they make the change, it's their change. They are the victor and they own it. Um, that is a, that's a long road. It, it, you know, not everybody wants to do that and it requires more awareness and sort of growing up and what, whatnot. And, and as I said, it takes, it takes a little while. The other approach is surgery and the medical profession. I don't know if you've had any surgery lately, but you know, it's you, you say I, you have a, you need to fix your knee for example, and you'll go talk to the surgeon and then they'll tell you when to come to the hospital and you'll go to the hospital on that day. You'll meet with anesthesiologist or whatever. They will, they will, uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, but they'll make a mark on your knee yeah. and have you sign a piece of paper. <laughs> yes, they make sure and it's the right knee. <laughs> and, 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 and then they'll, you may see your surgeon. You might see him or her. And then they'll, then they'll knock you out and, um, and you wake up on the other end and you won't see your doctor again, maybe until you have to go in for checkup, but the <laughs> surgery's done. And you're, and you sort of, people love that. People sign up for that because they want it done right. fast. They don't want to know what's happening. And then they have this incredibly long rehab, which they are committed to. So this is apartment therapy. We, with interiors, you, um, we don't perform surgery. And my whole goal always has been to help people to so they can do it themselves. Because then they, then they, then they are doing it for themselves in the future. It's their, it's their gain. It's their victory. It's their, their growth of knowledge. Absolutely. So we're going to get right to the heart of this podcast, which is our belief that style matters when it comes to laying the foundation for everyday happiness. You're one of our heroes when it comes to this idea. So we're excited to hear your take on what it means to care about style, design and decor. Hmm. All right. This is a big one. Um, I'm going to, but I will, I will say that I got started in this business, not because I was concerned about decor, not because I was concerned about decorating, not because I was concerned about how it looked like. I was really concerned about how it worked for people, how it, how, and which I feel has a lot to do with how it feels. Um, design for me in, from the beginning is about solving problems. It's about, it's about, stepping back and paying attention to the way you move through a space or any, or any, I mean, design can, is applied to anything, but let's just talk about spaces. The way you move through a space, the way you, um, you organize yourself in a space. And if you can pay attention to that really, really closely, you can find the ways in which the space can be 
improved, um, so that it's supporting you better, so that the things are where you need them. For example, when someone talks about, oh, basic uh, kitchen planning, you need a triangle between your sink and your stove and your refrigerator. That's that's a that's a nugget of design, and to the extent that that works better than anything else, you'd be a fool not to do it. So, and you'd be working in a kitchen if you didn't have that, which was basically fighting you while you were trying to cook dinner for yourself, your your family. So, I see design as revealing the the building blocks or the little secrets that will allow you to structure your space in a way that will sort of free you to to sort of maximize your life, because otherwise. You're, you're weighed down, you're stuck, and you're not actually maximizing your life. And, and, and in the end of the day, walking through your home or finding your keys is not the end goal of your life. So yeah, yeah, exactly. that's, that's, what, that's where my focus on design comes from. And, and when I, so when I talk about the home, that's where we start. And that's the part I really do believe that's accessible to everybody. And it's evergreen. It's not male or female. If we could talk about decor and we talk about style, which we can do next – um, we're going to dip into a different area, but I would start first with let's let's focus focus on the importance of design in the home as a as a basic key element that's available to all. Right, right. We we totally agree, and we we've we've worked on this um, this one project where we were talking about dumping grounds and hotspots, and to to really get people to kind of see where those two places are in their homes, because I think we get so kind of stuck in whatever flow or lack of flow that we've set up and we just keep pushing against it, pushing against it. And you almost don't even see where the problems are. But, you know, if you see where you dump things and that might be where you want to throw a basket because <laughs> clearly that's where your keys belong, not wherever else you've decided they should hang. And, you know, if a hotspot is the place where a person who you invite over for cocktails always pulls their chair over so that they can actually have a conversation with you, then maybe the way your furniture is arranged isn't conducive for conversation because people have to move it in order to talk better so that's right yeah so so go ahead and talk about style and and the other all right um style why does style matter so i talk about the home to when i'm trying to help people i try to break it down into the home has four levels and everything everything can be related to the human being that's that's that is that is the beginning and the end of everything. If you can't, if it doesn't relate to us as humans, then it doesn't exist. Um, I learned that as a, as a Waldorf teacher. So my metaphor here is that the home has the bones at the bottom, the breathing, then the heart, and then the head. The bones of the home are the, the basics. Is it broken? Is it clean? Do I need to fix it? And that's sort of, do I have a, do I have a solid space? If that's taken care of, you move up the breathing. The breathing is the arrangement and the flow of your home. So it's like you put everything in your home, but it's in black and white. <laughs> and that's not that's not typically what people consider style. That's design. That's sort of the roots of design right there. That's play- the next part is the heart. The heart is where we traditionally get involved with style and personality. So everything now pops into color, texture, and light. And this is where decorating usually, people usually think of decorating as starting. And this is a, the unique space. So the bones and the breathing are a shared evergreen space. Everybody has to deal with those in a similar way. But when we get to the heart, then it's all about your personal expression. And what's important about this for 
I mean, not just now, but forever, is that your home, in order to be you, in order to be a place that supports you, it has to express you. And when you come home, it has to represent you. It has to be a place where you recharge. Uh, and so putting your personal style into your home um, is crucial. It's not, as, it's not the whole thing, right. but it is crucial. And then once you go above that, you go to the head. And the head is your highest aspiration. It's, your, it's the spirit of your home. And that is where you put into your home your something that is about your family, your children, your religion, your um, what you do for a living, what you aspire to. Maybe you're a kid and you put your trophies, your boxing trophies, or your running, your horse ribbons. Um, it's it's or it's artwork, which is our, again represents our highest aspirations. So um, that is actually the thing that matters at the very very highest. But that can't be achieved unless the the first three are are strong. And I think that's what makes it feel like it's somebody's somebody's home in particular. So when people come to our house and they say, oh, I like this, I want to do this, and then they try to replicate it and then it doesn't feel good, it's because it's not, it's not theirs. It's not, you know, it's something that they're trying to kind of imitate as opposed to really figure out for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of copying and imitating. Um, I, but, but you have to understand that... Um, this is like these layers build up and it's like your home comes alive with them. It wakes up and then it pops into life. And you need, and it, and it's like, um, it's like someone had a, brought you a beautiful cake and they said, Oh, I love that cake. I'd like to re- reproduce that cake. And they just focused on the icing. It wouldn't really work. It wouldn't really work. You know, you need exactly. to have, cause right, that cake right. is, the, there's the plate, then there's the, the sponge cake inside and then there's the icing and then there's the candle. And so the, the home has those things. And when you walk into a home that really sings and you can feel it, it's a juicy, personal, energetic <laughs> space, it, it's built through right up through all four of those levels. Right, right. I love that. Yeah. And the thing about copying is um, when I was in grad school, because uh, my first career was really as a teacher, um, in, in ancient uh, Greece, in Rome, the basis of education was you would copy. You would copy painting. You would copy writing. You would copy it until you were good enough that you understood the what the masters, and then you would start to write your own stuff. So copying is really we for some reason in our culture it got it's gotten a bad rap, but it really is how you learn. So what I did when I was starting out, because again my education was really in teaching school, I had to learn the design stuff on the job, is I started by looking at something going, I really like that. How can I reproduce that? How can I break it down? What's going on there? And I think cooks do this too with food. Yeah. And, the, and then you try to copy it and then you make mistakes, but you also succeed. And then over time, you're actually learning what, how things work. And I always tell people if they're insecure about making their homework, start by copying the things you love and eventually you'll be making it your own. But That's really good advice. Like, I'll give you another example. When I was, a lot of people ask me, um, what, how do I deal with bedding? Like, how do I make the fabulous bed, you know? Because we all know how to buy uh, you know, a set of white sheets or a set of blue sheets. But how do you make that bed that has the white and the blue and pattern and the this and the that? And I once saw um, a picture in uh, the, a company store catalog. And it was this fabulous flannel bed. And it just looked 
like, boy, I want, that's what I was that I want. So yeah, I want that. <laughs> I just took the picture and I looked at all the things in that little picture, which by the way, was put together by highly talented stylists. And, um, and I bought every little thing in it and I just copied it. And I, and you know, the stuff all arrives at my house and wrapped in plastic and I open it up and I put it together and I'm trying to make that feeling of that bed that I saw in that catalog and, and understand why it worked. And right. I lived with that bed for a long time and it gave me the beginnings of, Hmm, I'm starting to get it. And I, anyway, it worked, it worked. It wasn't quite that picture, but it worked for me. Then you get more adventurous. Well, and actually, this segues beautifully into our second question that we ask our guests, which is, um, tell us a great story of one of your best why not moments, which is when you did finally decide that it was time to not care about the rules or or just whatever the rules weren't working. And so you had to try something different. And um, so we're, we're anxious to hear one of your why not moments. When you have a why not moment in uh, realize you don't fall off a cliff. You start to do it a lot more often. Um, I would say um, to choose a sort of a, a nice moment. I was this is before, when I was a school teacher. Which I, I was a when I started off right out of college, going into design and then leaving it because it was I was disillusioned with it. It was very decorative, and I didn't feel like it was what I wanted to do with my whole life, so to speak. And I went back to school, became a uh, teacher. Thought I'd teach high school. Ended up my first assignment was first grade. <laughs> I was teaching seven year olds, and I. Um, but that's not the why not moment. But I, but I was anyway as a teacher. I was living um, in the West Village, and I had an apartment that was very very small. It was two hundred fifty square feet, and I. It had very good rent. I think the rent was something like $350. So it was what I could afford. But, you know, you can you can outgrow a space like that pretty quickly. And I, I started to look around for another apartment. And I realized it was going to cost me more in rent to move into a bigger space. It was also going to cost me money to move. Right. And then I was going to be stuck with a new space that I didn't know very well. And I thought to myself at the time, why not renovate this little apartment and stay here and take the money I might have spent moving up and, and, and put it and, and reinvest in this? Now, it's a rental. So uh, most people don't do that. Um, and I thought... And but the thing is, the nice thing is the rent will stay the same, right? So I'll I'll put in a little a bunch of money, but it'll I'll keep this at the lower rent. So over time, this is a much better investment. So I backed away from the car and I thought, hmm, let's. What if I renovate this? Part? What could I possibly do to this apartment? And I asked my landlord, and she was an old Italian lady, and she had grown up in the building, and she her, the idea of me fixing up the apartment on my with my own money was incredibly surprising and pleasurable to her. <laughs> so I totally transformed my view of this apartment. And I thought, why not renovate it and make it into something new? And I thought, well, maybe I'm just going to do this uh, superficial uh, change, make these superficial changes. And then I'll still be unhappy here because it's, you know, by the way, it's really, really small. Anyway, long story short, I got completely carried away and I took all of the furniture out of the little tiny little bedroom there. And I had a friend who was a designer. She was Dutch and she had built this room that she called her white room. And it was completely built in cabinetry all around the room and had a raised floor and padded and 
made out of this special vinyl that we got from a uh, store in uh, Soho. And I, I copied her white room um, in my little bedroom. And so it, it, was a, it was like sleeping on the floor, but it was all raised. It was like a little Japanese box. It had lighting all plugged into it. I went crazy. <laughs> anyway, I, the, the, the inspiration to me was it was incredibly fun. I, it was really my first design job that pushed me and allowed me to make something I could only imagine a reality. And when I was done, it was a totally different space. It was no longer, and it was, and that's when I realized when you change your space, you home that you maybe want to leave or, or move into or whatever that thing is that you're running towards or running away from, it's not the square footage. It's, it's the feeling of the space. And when you transform the feeling, you, you have a new home. You, in a very real way, that was not the same home I lived in before I moved. Right. And that was, that was sort of the inspiration for apartment therapy because I thought, wow, if that's really – everyone in New York, they always think that the way to solve their problems is to move. And, I, and so the basis of it is no, maybe you do. But actually, the first thing we could do is let's, let's fix where you're at. And, st- and, and see what that does for you because it is very expensive to move and inevitably you'll probably pay more where you, wherever you go to. So let's, let's start here. And, and even if you do move, and what I found with my clients um, during those years, the first years of apartment therapy, I'd say 75% of the people I worked with successfully transformed their home and they felt wonderful about them. They ended up moving in the next 24 months. Hmm. And, the reason, and the reason for that was because I feel like their life got moving. Oh. It wasn't because they were unhappy. They took a new job. They met someone. Uh, they, got, they got reassigned by their employer. It's like stuff started to pick up for them. And I thought that was another hidden benefit of your home being That's the way you really want to be. That's really fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to redo some rooms. <laughs> my life, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I, think that, I think you're probably absolutely right that it does. It affects you so much more than you even realize. And, and also, it's not wasted. I mean, the fact that you spend all that time doing that to your home, it's not wasted. Think about what it has given you or the, your clients this kind of renewed energy and this new life perspective and all of that. And then they're probably going to put all of that um, love and passion for their home into their next home. Yeah, that's why I say nothing you do for your home is ever wasted. Yeah. Which is a which is a copycat. Um, Garrison Keeler, he says nothing you do for children is ever wasted. And I took that and and spun it off to nothing you do for your home is ever wasted because I think it's true. The victories you make in your home are are transportable. Yes. And on this tour we've been I've been asking questions of everyone we visit. Um, and one of the questions I ask um, I've been asking is, what does home mean to you? And nobody says the physical space. Right. Um, it doesn't. It, it doesn't mean a yard. It doesn't mean this kitchen. It doesn't mean what home is about. And actually, what is surprising is a lot of people have been saying it's about creating memories for my children or my with my partner. Or, um, it's, it's about the things you do in this, and the feelings you create in the space, and they go with you. Yeah, yeah, they certainly do. Uh, this has been just really incredible. We, we just Thank really, you so much. Yeah, okay. We really appreciate your time, Maxwell. Thank you. Before we go, please take a moment to grab the free podcast app, 
Radio Public and start listening to Style Matters on there. That's the Radio Public app. Use it instead of iTunes or Spotify, because by doing so, you're helping me keep this podcast running without costing you a dime. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Little Yellow Couch newsletter, where you'll receive early bird pricing info for the upcoming style retreats, as well as a copy of my new guide, Six Ways to Jumpstart Your Creativity. Have a wonderful week. Bye for now. so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.